Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margeson. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate Gym. God be with you. The scripture this morning is Psalm 19, and this is from the NRSV. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy. And like a strong man runs its course with joy, its rising is from the end of the heavens and the circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you so much. Let us pray. Holy and good and gracious God, we thank you for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. O Lord, our... Amen. There are two scenarios that I want to give you this morning. The first one is this. Life isn't going that well. Uh, Maybe for you, that means the loss of a job, an empty bank account. Maybe it looks like the loss of a family member, hard relationships that you're in. Maybe your spouse is leaving. Your best friend has turned away from you. Life is just falling apart. It seems like you can't hold those brittle pieces of what you have together in your hands. They just crumple through. We say oftentimes in these situations that those bad, hard things come in threes. And sometimes it's three on top of three on top of three. What do we forget to say in that moment? This too shall pass. 
this too shall pass. And the second scenario, life is going really well. You've got a promotion in your job. Maybe you just published a book. You and your spouse or you and your best friend just have a wonderful relationship. Things are looking up. They are getting better and better. Each day is a joy. You don't quite understand why, but you're filled with excitement. And so even a good cup of coffee is all you need to start your day well. Things are working, being held together. Everything's falling into place. What do we forget to say in that moment? Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. And this too shall pass. Yeah, that's part of life, right? Which is why I love the Psalms so much. Because the Psalms are real and raw, aren't they? You see, if you ever thought in your life that God wrote this book called the Bible without human works, well, then I wonder if you've ever really paid attention to the Psalms. Because the Psalms, in a powerful way, speak to us as humans in, in maybe a more profound way than any other place in Scripture. Because they tell a story, a potent story that hits our lives so wonderfully. It's really only in the Psalms that you can find in one chapter cursing and anger and in the next one praise and worship and then afterwards a psalm of depression and then followed by a psalm of elation and happiness. There is so much that envelops the life of the writers of the Psalms. The Psalms do tell a story, like I said, but they don't work quite the same as the stories that you read in Genesis and Exodus and in the prophets or even throughout the New Testament. Now, the Psalms speak a little bit differently. If you go into the Psalms and try and read it with your head, with your mind, or with your eyes right there in front of your face, you might miss that story because the story of the Psalms aren't quite chronological. They don't quite have characters that bounce relations back and forth, that interact with some type of conflict and resolution. But the language of the Psalms, more often than not, is the language of the heart. It's emotions, it's feelings, it's the pool of desires and situations in life that all of these psalmists find themselves in. And they speak to us very powerfully, just like the simple song lyric or poem you've heard in your life that rings aloud in your head. It may not speak directly to your situation in life, and yet it speaks to you at a deeper level than any story that you can remember of old. The Psalms are a powerful moment of connection between us and God in this way, because they get past our heads and into our hearts and enliven our souls in some beautiful, wonderful ways. And it's that place of emotion, it's that place of heart language that we need to walk into as we read the Psalms and engage in the life and the story that's being told here. And so I wonder then if you go back and read this Psalm 19 with that emotional language at your forefront on the tip of your tongue, uh, ready to go, if you listen to the feelings that are being told throughout this story here of this particular psalmist, you might understand something. It 
kind of glazes over, and yet the psalmist makes sure to pinpoint in verse 12 and 13 how this person has lived a life. They have lived a life, the roller coaster of life that we all see, of ups and downs, of good times and bad times. This psalmist has experienced a lot. Uh, experienced a lot of things that were hard and difficult and painful, and yet also experienced a lot of things that were good and wholesome and life-giving. This psalmist understands that life is full of these ups and down moments, and in all things, this psalmist is looking, trying, striving after a way to no longer react to those things. That's the place that we can catch ourselves in if we have the mind to. In the midst of those bad moments and even in the midst of the good moments, we can find ourselves thinking of reactive ways to be present. Reactionary for whatever is in front of us. Reactionary to whatever the situation might be. And the psalmist knows that that's maybe not the best place to begin. That's not the best situation, the best mindset, the best heart space to be in in life when these moments come up, because they will come up. No, the psalmist is seeking after something more. The psalmist is seeking after a more foundational experience with God in all of these moments. The psalmist is seeking after a way to not react to those situations, those life events that come up, but to be proactive and ready to celebrate in whatever manner is necessary there. The psalmist is exclaiming in verse 12 and 13, you can hear it, I, I don't know what I don't know, God. How can I keep to your precepts, your orders, your laws, your ways of creation? How can I do that? Because because I don't know what I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what my failures are going to be. I don't know how I'm going to express myself. I I don't know the ways in which I'll fall short. I don't know any of these things, God. So help me. And this is a great place to begin. This is a great place for us to begin in our way forward as we're thinking about this new year and ways in which we can live a life to the fullest, live a Christian life to the fullest walk that we can be in, is to seek after ways in which we are not reactionary but proactive in our life lived with God. Because as this psalmist is exclaiming, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, God, don't let my proud thoughts take over me. God, help me see the ways in which I'll fail. Uh, God, be there for all the things that I'm missing in life. This psalmist is looking for, and even in their own words, already knows what to do. See, at the beginning, this psalmist spent quite some time, right, talking about the glories of God. The glories of God in creation, the glories of God in the laws, the glories of God in scriptures, in the sun rising and setting, God has placed a tent for it, and the warmth that stretches across all the earth, God is there. God is perfect in all things, keeps all things, righteous in all things. God is grand in all things. God is there in all things. God is here in all things. The psalmist exclaims all of these things out loud with precious words, making sure that the beginning of their day, the beginning of this moment, the beginning of whatever this season of life they are about to go in, from there, 
God starts. And I, and I love this exclamation. It is a seeking after of God first in all things, before the ups, before the downs, before the life that hits us in the face, before all of these things that come upon us, that overwhelm us, that bring us to a place of reaction. This person is seeking after God first. Now, the easy thing to say would be if we start with God, then, well, the, the good times will be better and the bad times will be easier, right? Well, maybe not so. Maybe the good times will be just as good and probably the bad times will be just as bad. And yet in those things, in those places, people, we, the psalmist, you and I, are not seeking after a way of reacting to those moments, and yet we are living in them, allowing them to be, allowing them to settle in life as they are, and yet knowing that God is with us the whole time, because that's where we begin. What this person is doing, what this psalmist has done, is they have set up their core beliefs from the beginning. They have, with words of their own poetic language of their heart, placed forth their core beliefs of who God is in their life, and they have set them upon their heart, holding them close, reminding themselves of them through poem or song or however this psalm is proclaimed. But in those spaces, this psalmist has put their core beliefs in who God is and how God acts first and foremost at the front of every reaction and interaction they have. This is something that I was thrilled with in teaching our confirmation just last week, sharing with them about the Apostles' Creed. And maybe for some of them the first time hearing that, maybe for some of them the first time hearing that our, our beliefs, our core understandings about how we work and the church works and how God works in the world can be so important to how we interact with everything else in life. Don't you know that to be true? You know your faith, you know your beliefs, and yet how often are we reminding ourselves of those? How often do you remind yourself through words, through feelings, through psalms, that God is there for you in all things, that God is grand? Do you wake up with that song on your heart? Do you wake up with those words on your mind or on your tongue? You experience those as often as you can, even in between the ups and downs, not just in the middle, not just at the end when you're seeking help, but before they ever happen. You see, this is something that I had to remind myself of also. I am not perfect. That's probably a good place to start for most pastors. I'm not perfect. And so there are seasons in my life where I fall short. These last couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, the church life has been busy, my workload has been full, and while I am thankful for that, there are certainly places that have been there where I've been a little harder on myself than I needed to be. I've been a little busier than I really needed to be in life. And I'm so thankful for the people around me, a good mentor that reminds me that when I am hard on myself, I need to remember something about grace. Now, all those things that you know about grace, grace as being love and a gift and all of those, those are great to know. But to feel what grace is like, my mentor said that grace, when you are hearting yourself, grace is soft. Grace is soft. And so I remind myself as often as I can that grace is soft, especially in the moments where I am hard on myself. 
This is something that I am learning and learning to remind myself of often, my core understandings of how God works in the world. I am thankful for my life and ministry that often I'm asked those questions through ordination process and in church life and from some of you even ask me that question, what is God like? And I'm thankful for that opportunity to regurgitate that information that I have in my head and, and to get it out and to remember that I feel that in my heart too. And, and so I, I ask you and I remind you and I, and I instill in you and I, I hope to pull out of you that opportunity as well. That as often as you go out in this world, as often as you experience life, as often as you can remember and maybe make a habit Maybe have something that you can uh, put in front of you to remind you of in every opportunity who God is to you, how God is in your life, where God shows up in all of those places. We can call those spiritual touchstones. And maybe for you, some have a stone in your pocket. Maybe you have a sticky note on your bathroom mirror. Maybe you have a cross hanging from the mirror in your car. Any of these things can be spiritual touchstones, a, a memoriam where you can touch and hold onto and be reminded of those things that God is in your life and always will be. Before and after and in between all of those ups and downs, you have that symbol, that emblem, that actual physical thing that you can touch and feel and know that God is good and God is there. And this is a simple thing, a small thing, and yet such an important thing to be reminded of, and such a vital thing to bring us up in life. And so as we're into this new year, I invite you to think about what your spiritual touchstones are. And maybe it's in the simple phrase, or the finishing of a phrase, rather, as this psalmist has proclaimed all of these grand, wonderful things that God has been in the life of him or her and their people. And then at the end, after they have proclaimed their, their not-enoughness and need, they end by saying, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, let them be pleasing to you, O Lord my. Now their words are rock and redeemer. And maybe that's yours as well. But I invite you to think of what it might be for you to experience God on a regular basis. At the best of times when you're reminded how much you are loved by God, what is that word? What is that feeling? What is that emotion? And fill in the blank there. Oh Lord, my... Whatever it might be for you. Now, as an extra invitation, I'll give you this. This is my touchstone recently, a cotton swab. It may not mean much, and you may even <laughs> not like the texture of these things. They make a weird sound. And yet, this was the perfect touchstone for me, as I am hard on myself to remember that grace is soft, just as this cotton swab is. And so in the next song that comes up, uh, I'll invite you, or even at the end of the service as you leave, to come forward if you would like and to grab a cotton swab and to put it in your pocket. And remember, after you realize that's not a big pile of lint down there, but it's something good, to remember that grace is soft in your life, to remember that God is good and present in all spaces that you go.
And as often as you stick your hand in your pocket, that's probably more often than those good and bad situations come up. It's probably more often. And so you've got plenty of opportunities to be reminded of that, to not be reactive to those things, but to be proactive to the God that is proactive in your life. So you're invited to that space this morning as we continue to worship together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.